I'm jinxed. I'm telling you, I'm jinxed. I was so excited. I'm back on the podcast after, oh my God, two weeks. It's been two weeks, right? Um, I'm, and I'm last night, is I'm, I'm charging my phone, got this. Before the podcast, I have my earphones in my phone. I'm ready to rock and roll, Tris. Did you see? It's not my fault. It didn't open. It didn't... <laughs> Melanie, don't laugh. What can I tell you? Uh, good morning, everyone. I am so excited to be back. Did the music start again? Not my fault, huh? I didn't push a button here. <laughs> oh, I love these mornings. So coming back to what I was sharing with you, I'm so excited to be back for many reasons. Number one, of course, I was going to use my uh, two weeks being off work because I have, I have had and still have, but slowly taking care of it, of a herniated disc between L4, L5. Those that have had it before, you know how atrocious the pain is. And once again, just for my sales team listening to me, uh, once again, it's a reminder that if we listen to the professionals and we listen to the exercises that they tell us that we have to do three times a day, recovery um, recovery dates will be advanced rapidly. And it always brings me back to my business, to my children, to everything in my life, that if we have mentors and we have coaches and we listen to them, we will advance our success rate by a hundredfold. Are we humble enough to listen to mentors and coaches? That being said, Diving into the subject of today, I love this book, Leaders Eat Last with Simon Sinek. We're in chapter 21, and the title says, Lead the People, Not the Numbers. Lead the People, Not the Numbers. I can tell you right now, and I'm hoping nobody from my company is listening right now. Ha ha! And if they are, I don't care. Uh, lead the People, not, not Numbers. Right now, we have a leadership team in place that is leading the numbers. And unfortunately, unfortunately, when that happens, we may have quicker results. But as you will see with Melanie Miller, there's a cost to that. And, you know, Melanie knows me. Maritel knows me. My team that is on Zoom knows me. I love to lead people. It's always been about building the family. You know, I'm Italian. I'm born in Italy. I really have this culture ingrained in my veins. And for me, everything is, is has to be family-oriented. And where I spend most of my time is at work. It's, it's my passion and my family. And both have to be at the same level. I have to enjoy going home because my home is a sanctuary. And I have to enjoy going to work because my work is a sanctuary. And both are family. So what Simon is basically saying here, Simon says that teams led by controlling authoritarian leaders initially, 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 
initially, ah, having a hard time with my English today, outperform those led by empowering leaders. Okay, absolutely. In the short term, they will outperform. But in the long run, only empowering leaders do better. But listen, enough from me. Let's hand it over to Dr. Melanie Miller because she will do the comparison and the explanation in such a phenomenal way that you're going to understand that longer is always better. Oh, no. Now I started thinking sexually. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, I'll stop right here because that's the Italian hormones coming out. Melanie, take it away. <laughs> okay. I'm surprised you can think of that with your uh, vertebrae. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. Um, good morning, everybody. And uh, we have been uh, reading in the last few chapters the influence of leaders, how leaders can influence the culture of a company and how they can take it forward or not. And during the 1970s, unfortunately, uh, the emphasis started to be on the profit and not the people. And uh, business, uh, what happened was there was a focus starting to happen that the shareholder rather than the customer would be the person that they wanted to satisfy. And that the theory was that by um, focusing on the shareholder, making them happy, uh, that would grow jobs, that would grow the value of companies and would fuel the economy. In fact, the shareholder value became a parameter by which uh, businesses started to measure themselves. Now, businesses will, in general, follow the movement that's happening on the stock market. If the markets move up, the, co the company value moves up. If the markets move down, they don't. If you follow the simple app called Finance um, or Stock Market, where, when the market goes up, all the companies are green. When the market goes down, all the companies are red, with a few exceptions. The ebb and flow of a company will reflect the ebb and flow that is happening on the market. But some of them will show differences negatively or positively. In 1981, Jack Welsh took over as the CEO of GE. His management style was tough. Um, each year, at the end of the year, he would fire the bottom 10% of managers, no questions asked, as he viewed them as the part of the business that was contributing the less. And then he would reward the top 20% with share options. Not a company that would make you feel secure. The system seemed to work, like the company, uh, share, the company value grew from 26.8 billion to 130 billion. But in reality, it was just growing with the stock market. The S&P 500 performance, which is a collection of the top companies and measures overall performance, was pretty much moving at the same rate or in the same direction. The proof of a good leader um, is what happens when they're not there. What is the legacy that a leader will leave behind? Is the company going to continue to grow or is it more likely to just start floundering because the people in the environment do not feel safe? 
In a company where numbers are more important, the legacy will not last. They, <clears throat> there is no sense of security and the leader, when they leave, take all the power of the way the company was running with them. Companies who distribute the power across an organization, they create a circle of safety. They find that the strength of the company is dependent on everyone, not on an individual. They work together in a crisis. It protects the legacy of the leader and extends the success of a company. We all know what happened in 2019 or 2020, COVID hit. Many MLMs had massive success immediately. They had a captured market. The sales went through the roof. Everyone was online at home. They had nothing else to do. MLMs were all accessible, boom, instant success. Success like they'd never seen before. In many cases, the success was built on the situation, not on the people. They were so busy chasing those extra sales, they forgot to train the people on the way. They forgot to teach the people how to have a sustainable business and an ongoing strategy. They focused on the success of the moment, the money. So when the moment passed, what happened? Now we're seeing those same MLMs um, with a mass of sales force who are no longer making the money they need to live, that they got used to. The sales force are isolated. They're unsure how to move forward because they never received any training about how to do their jobs. And they're leaving the businesses in massive numbers to get back to a safe, secure environment or what they feel in their heads is a safe, secure environment. So I have to say that at Lady Mo, we we didn't advance super fast. We were actually pretty much the last ones on board. And we focused on initially on supporting each other, on making sure that everybody felt secure, on making sure that everybody knew how important they were. The focus was on the people. We worked together to come up with better solutions. We worked together to find techniques and um, strategies that would work right across the board. Our leader empowered her people to succeed, always focusing on the mission. Our mission is to help people save time, save money, eat more healthily and think of the environment. When you have a strong mission, your people rally together. They feel safe and they behave and they believe their leaders when they know that their leaders have their best interest at heart. Companies operating in a what's in it for me environment will eventually fail. Maximizing shareholder value is actually achieved by having goals not geared to maximizing shareholder value. That, that might sound strange, but if your um, strength is geared to remembering the people, 
you won't uh, you won't just be focusing on the bottom line. It, I don't know if any of you remember, but there was a terrible accident on an oil platform where masses and masses of oil was chucked in to the Gulf of Mexico. There was a lot of environmental damage, and actually, when they when they analyzed what had been happening. The company BP was so focused on the shareholder, on the value, on the bottom line, that they started to cut corners. They started to make actually ensure that the environment was not safe. And so in, in the end, that ended up with a loss of lots of money and, um, and a lot of impact on many, many lives, many, many lives outside the actual company. So cutting corners was, may have given them immediate satisfaction, but did not protect them in the long term. A company well known for its attitude of looking after its people is Costco. James Sinegal treated and continues to treat uh, his people as family. He looks after the people first. He was able to pass his legacy on to continue this attitude towards people. This attitude is good for business. Their financial success was slow and steady, but nearly always up. When the stock market movement affected them badly in 2008, as with everyone else, they didn't have a massive tumble. They had a small tumble because the people worked together to make the business continue and it continues to grow. And now it is growing at a rate much uh, bigger than the S&P index. The company looks after their people. It values them. It empowers them. Managers are promoted from within. The wage level is well above minimum wage. The circle of safety is strong. They are not just getting dopamine fixes from the high sales volume. They're also getting the serotonin and oxytocin, which makes them feel good and be part of a company. Customers love the company because the employees love the company. When people feel safe, they will serve other people well. When profit becomes the primary responsibility of a business, more money, no matter the cost to the people, it is misguided. Companies that use the profit to fuel their, their cultures, those companies will outlast and have great legacies. So to tell us a little bit more about how uh, you can do all those things, of course, we're gonna pass over to Mary Pierre. Thank you, Melanie. And just before I start, I want to make sure that everyone shared the podcast this morning because it's with your help that we can grow our community that always level up and we can achieve that vision of building a thousand millionaire. So if you haven't shared yet, it's the time to do it. So if you're on Podbean, it gives you more heart. So at the end of the month, you have more chance in the draw for the conditioning program. And on Facebook, always make sure that you had a comment before your share so people will know why they should listen to the podcast every morning. So yes, we understand that the numbers are essential in managing any businesses because it's great for measuring results. It's the only way to accurately compare share price, sales revenue, profit, but they fall short in measuring the most essential part of any business, the people, because we know 
people can make the numbers, but numbers cannot make the people. So great leaders understand that outstanding businesses are built by outstanding people. Their primary focus is to focus on the people they serve. So there are some great, uh, how the, the great leader can put the people before the numbers. So there's three ways that great leaders do that. So number one, they focus on building great culture. So the reason why numbers are used so much to manage an organization is that they are easy to measure and so easy to get other to stick to. But numbers allow people at the top often cut deals based on performance, but usually at the expense of other people. There's another way to manage a business, something that is much harder crea to create and even more difficult to define, but it's the best way for a leader to run a business. It's the only way to inspire others. So it's called creating a great culture. So some people, uh, some, some of the top leaders realize that numbers are just the end outcome and what really drives performance is great people. So, and great people will thrive in great culture. So they are inspired by a great value. So great leaders leave the numbers to other people so they can spend their time inspiring the people they lead. Number two is they assess things aren't, that aren't measurable. So in this article, <laughs> the the person who write the article tell us about the, this story of how in the past he worked in a, um, a job selling satellite television package to home user. So yes, it was in the 90s. So <laughs> that was the way of selling those uh, satellite television packages. So uh, the, it was a big, big uh, firm and they had a lot of people that wanted to work there. So you have to be a great seller if you wanted to stay at that job. So you have to uh, have always your minimum of sales. But in their team, there was one person that never sell anything, <laughs> never sell anything. But he was there for a few years already. So why? It's because he was the person who always be funny. So he said, this guy craps you up. So jokes, witty comments, funny sound. It was just great for the team morale and incredibly popular. So in an environment of selling, we know there's regular rejection and failure. So it kept the team going. So if you wanted to just feel better, you go see this person. So that's why they keep this person because no, it, it was not the, that one who was doing the numbers but it was the one that keep the team morals up so other people can make the numbers. So great leaders understand and will apply this concept. They realize that the most important power in life, inspiration, motivation, teamwork, innovation, problem solving, relationship building are not easily measurable by numbers. So rather than constantly hunch over the spreadsheet, they are continually assessing those things that are truly important. So they're not always measurable, but yes, they are important. So great leaders value the intangibles. And number three, they make hiring a priority because great leaders understand that if you hire the right people in the first place, I know it's not something always easy to do, <laughs> then guess what? The number will take care of themselves. It's business fashion these days to say how the most important part of business 
is this it's people but yes we get it but the more important question is what exactly uh, what are well what exactly are you doing about it so if people is your most important asset then the simple logic will say that the most important focus should be hiring and developing existing staff and further logic will say that as the most important person in your organization who should be leading this drive to hire the right people it's you so the most successful leader are those who are hands-on in hiring process the leader are usually much more occupied with shareholders management meeting but the uh, you need to uh, develop the quality of your people so great hiring will value prevention over cure so rather than con continuously managing the wrong people against the number they rather just spend the time hiring the right people in the first place so yes numbers are great for measuring most things but remember that the people can make the numbers and never the numbers can make the people so if you need something a little bit more tangible <laughs> to understand how you can do it how can you be an effective leader so there's six steps to be an effective leader so number one be open to suggestion so you might find yourself in situation throughout your life where you receive feedback about the way you handle a situation or a process so the during this time it's important to take in that feedback be grateful for the suggestion and adjust your process accordingly so that's why yes i want to add something here because be open to suggestion. If I take example, yesterday's meeting that I attended, okay? The leader seems open to suggestion. Like, let, let me be absolutely clear here. But be open to suggestion to really be open to suggestion and not to be open to suggestion so you appear like being open to suggestions so you can throw a veil over my eyes. I, Melanie, I don't know if I'm expressing it right in English. Because being a very seasoned leader of 40 years, I can see right through that, that you're pretending to be open because you read a book like this and it says, be open to suggestion, but you're not. You're just throwing a veil over my eyes. But it may work for young people in business, but experienced leaders like myself, you know, don't underestimate our intelligence. Everybody get this? So sorry, I just have to add that in here. Mm-hmm. I really understand. <laughs> so a good leader will know how to listen and take away what's necessary for self-improvement, not just be open. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Number two is to be understanding and compassionate. So as a leader, it's imperative that you're attentive, especially when others rely on you. So by paying attention to what others are saying and doing, your team and your community member will feel heard and be more likely to share ideas. <laughs> Number three is be motivational and inspire others. So there are times when your team member or those around you will need some extra motivation. And yes, it will fall on you to rally them. So when you energize others, you inspire them to continue taking action for important issue. So just remember that you should take time for yourself too, because energizing others can sometimes take a toll on you. So make sure to think about your well-being too. Number four, be humble. So we all still have a lot to learn and it's amazing to be 
seen as a leader, but keep in mind that you don't know to you don't have to know everything. You just have to be willing to learn and never stop improving. So being humble and taking accountability while while still being confident in your decision will earn you the respect you deserve along the way. Number five, be an effective communicator. When you are a leader, you're going to be sharing ideas and concepts that are important for your, your team. So the success of you and your team will rely on you being a good communicator and effectively sharing your idea in a way that easy, that's easy to understand. And number six is be aware of your leadership style. So one of the most important parts of being a leader is knowing what kind of leader you are. So this will help you to understand what your strengths and weaknesses are and what area needs improvement. And Maria, you have to tell the story with you and Annie because it's really simple to understand why we should be aware of our style, leadership style. <laughs> like my, my leadership style is is like high achiever and, and it scares a lot of people away because uh, I, I'm I'm relentless, I am consistent, I, I am scary to a lot of people because when I have a goal in my head, I mean, I won't rest until we achieved it, right? And those that work closely with me, you know how relentless I can be with that, but it scares a lot of people off. So when Annie came into the business and I saw in her an incredible leader, she was exact, she was the total opposite of me. So in 19, uh, what year was that? Oh, long, long time ago, uh, 16 years ago, when Annie came into the business, I made sure she became my right arm because we balanced the leadership in Leeds Yama organization. I mean, back then we were only three directors, but, but this balance brought the success you see today. So, you know, and again, if you're not humble, you could not have accepted Annie Marchand as your right hand being equally as powerful as you without being threatened because you need very confident leaders to do this. And right now in my business, I'm telling you right now for all of those of you that are in my business or maybe your own other type of business and you're, li you're living this right now, be careful because when you have a leadership that is focused primarily on numbers, it is very dangerous for you that are a high achiever. And the best way to play out the game in this moment is to keep quiet, okay? Because as soon as you open your mouth and that great, that leader right now realizes that you're more competent than them, they are threatened. And when they feel threatened, they're able to throw you under the bus. So how do you behave? Shh, silencio. That comes back to my intelligent mom who had no schooling, but very brilliant, who said, remember what you know and how intelligent you are is to be kept to yourself. Those are the really smart people. So right now I'm playing a low key, a low profile, because otherwise I'll put myself in a dangerous position. And not only do I put myself in a dangerous position and number two, I will waste a lot of energy with people that pretend to be open to suggestions. So Maria, do you have any comments? No, everything is wonderful until I'm going to be led by people that are willing to lead the people first knowing that the numbers will follow. And that's what the, our, our, the past um, 
leadership had had that I very much admired. It was a long process, but my God, we got those shares up to nearly a hundred dollars a share. Okay. And they stayed there. So in closing, basically what I want to share with you today in closing, the performance of a company is closely tied to the personality and values of the person on top. So yes, les diamants are shining bright like a diamond. Yes, we have a good, good, good possibility this year. We will double our numbers of last year. And it's gone and it's done with my personality. And I track people with my personality and, and the, you know, our personality here at Lydia Ma is family-based. It's all about a community. It's all about the sharing of power. It's led right through the end. Even if I was absent two weeks, look how powerful it is. This building, this type of business, nobody even knew I was out besides those that, you know, enjoy my loud mouth, but it didn't show. The show went on whether I was here or not. And that's comforting for a leader like me. It's empowering and not threatening. The personality and the values of the person on top, and this goes for you, my directors, set the tone for the culture. So if you embrace my, my mentality and you trickle that down to your teams, for sure, profits is a goal. I mean, I wouldn't have lasted here 40 years if I didn't make money. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm not stupid either. But to suggest that it is the primary goal is absolutely false. I am guided by the values of my, my company and the values of my people. And maybe, just maybe, and we've seen it with COVID, Melanie Miller, a lot of them, absolutely were fueled by dopamine addicted behaviors and they 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 surfed on uh, creating fear so they surfed on high cortisol levels um, my competitors were doing exactly that i continue to provide the safe environment and in the end in 2022 who's prevailing who's continuing growth so maybe it's a little bit longer but my god can we get back to the sex now isn't it better when it's longer? <laughs> I love you guys. Okay, see you tomorrow morning. Bye-bye, everyone. Sorry, Melanie, it was too easy.